Hi everyone, I am back. It is me, Tammy Riley, your host of Living Well While Living Online, a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. So excited to have uh, the opportunity to share a conversation with you with Dana White from Quinnipiac University, dietitian, nutritionist, athletic trainer, author of nine cookbooks, on and on and on. She has so much information to share, uh, and I think you'll really enjoy hearing uh, self-care and and food and how that intermingles and some of the tips that she has put into place for herself during these last 18 months. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of Living Well While Living Online. I'm very uh, excited and looking forward to a conversation today with one of my colleagues at Quinnipiac University, Dana White. Dana, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, Dana and I have worked together for a while. She is a professor in the athletic training department, as well as a registered dietitian and nutritionist, and she works with our athletes on campus specifically. Um, but Dana has a, a lot of other things that she does within in her life, so I'd love for her to expand on all of those amazing roles because you do juggle a lot, Dana. I do. I, I definitely do. I'll never try to, to convince someone that I, I don't do a lot. Um, but but I'm very lucky and I, I'm 100% genuine when I say that I feel very lucky because I really like what I do. So it makes the juggling easier. You know, certain times of year I might, you know, I want to pull my hair out, but I, I definitely love it. I'm very lucky. Awesome. And so a little more specifically, like your day-to-day role on campus and then I know you have... I'm going to say like we all have our side hustle. It's it's kind of your life. It's it's intertwined, but it's outside of I guess how you and I work together. Sure. So in, in at, at Quinnipiac specifically, my day to day is always different. I do have, but I'm always busy. It's always being different. I kind of like because I definitely never get bored. But my day consists of my role as a faculty member teaching athletic training students, but also I teach throughout the School of Health Sciences. So some of the classes that I teach, there aren't even athletic training students in it. And then I also guest lecture throughout the university. So one day I might be talking to a group of medical students or a group of PA students or, you know, at the graduate school. So it's, it's always about nutrition, but the topics are always different. And oftentimes the audience changes fairly frequently. So that's a big part of what I do, depending on the day of the week, if I'm in class. Um, And then of course, just doing things within my department, working with my colleagues in the athletic training department. And then the whole other hat comes on when I'm with athletics, Mm. which (laughs) I really, really do enjoy. I I am so grateful to be able to, to help work with athletes. Starting off my career in athletic training, I really got an appreciation for how hard athletes work, but also how much they need nutrition. And it is something that is very often overlooked by athletes um, just because they've never been taught any, any better. And so the, the concept of fueling their performance is something that they've maybe heard about, but don't necessarily know how to do. So if I'm not in the classroom, I'm working with the athletes, you know, to help them fuel their performance in all kinds of different ways. And that does spill over. And this is kind of where you and I interact a lot into trying to educate all of the students in our Quinnipiac community in different ways about being more mindful and healthy. 
Mm, awesome. Yeah, for sure. And you um, additionally are the author of a variety of cookbooks. That is, you know, part of your other your other gig, what you do on the side. Um, and I believe you have nine cookbooks to date. I do. I do. My ninth one just came out in July, which I, I it's very hard to believe, but it's been, um, I very much enjoy doing that as part of my quote unquote side hustle um, <laughs> consulting business that I've, I've been doing kind of simultaneously while I've been at Quinnipiac and kind of un- unintentionally got into this, op- got these opportunities to write cookbooks, which I really, really do enjoy. Yeah, that's so incredible. And our students definitely are benefiting for this one. Dana and I just did a little um, table kind of meet and greet and we had her cookbooks, which we were raffling off, but it's so true. I mean, you speak to athletes in general, not knowing how to fuel themselves, but I think food is one of the most important things, right? For us as humans, right? You have to breathe the air, you have to drink water, you have to eat food, like essential. And yet we struggle with it so much and we have such limited knowledge and it's mind blowing, right? When you really step back and think about something that's so crucial to our everyday living and how we kind of are are not, you know, present inside of it most of the time. Yeah, it is oftentimes, unfortunately, is like an afterthought for people. Oh, yeah, I have to eat. Oh, yeah, I forgot to eat. And then they're like, and I'm so exhausted. And and that connection isn't made that, well, maybe part of the reason you're exhausted is because you didn't eat, right? And so I think, unfortunately, that that is just kind of the way that it is. I, I, I also think nutrition is super confusing. There's a lot of misinformation about about eating healthy or not out there in the in the universe and and social media has kind of taken this to a a new degree so i think even people that maybe have some sort of awareness of the importance of eating might actually be maybe doing it incorrectly or or leading themselves down a, a dangerous path in one way shape or form because they think that they're doing something that is good for them when actually it's not so mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a mix it's a mixed bag i always tease that i'm I'm lucky that I have a, a master's degree in nutrition because you kind of need one. To, you know, it puts it gives me an advantage. You know, because I I can make sense of of all the good and bad advice that's out there. It's so true. There is times where you feel like you you are so uneducated at something. I guess that should be a little more simple, but we that's just the world we live in, right? Everything is so complicated. You know, we're doing so much research in that field of the human body, I would say, even when we look at the fitness realm, which I know you're a fitness junkie as well. And when we look at caring for our body and all those levels, there's so much research happening now. Then there's data on, so do it this way, do it that way, right? So, and everyone has different opinions based on their specific study. So it, it is often confusing. And I think that that is to your point why Oftentimes people are just like, it's too much work. It's just easier to not eat or to eat a bag of chips. Um, it, it gets, yeah, really cumbersome sometimes. Yeah. And that, that's something I try to point out to people is that it doesn't need to be that hard. You know, it's this concept of saying it's just food and you should eat what you love. And I think the more people, when they start to catch on to that, oh, wait, wait a minute, what do you mean? I don't have to give up all of my favorite foods and and, you know, I don't, you know, I can eat something before I go to bed. What? You know, it's just, it kind of blows their mind. And and I think then once people can wrap their brain around that, it can be very liberating. And then they kind of then are reminded, oh, hey, we can, you can just enjoy food and, and let it be nourishing. And occasionally it is a bag of chips and that's fine. But, you know, you, you want to try to opt for, for 
you know, more nourishing options. And then there's plenty of room for the chips when you want them. <laughs> right. I love that. And that's, I guess, one of the things that I've always enjoyed our conversations and, and with your philosophy is that it isn't telling someone that they can't have something. And it really is the idea, which I had mentioned to you that I really want this um, episode to be titled Food is Love, because to me, it really is, right? And I know that you believe that. I love watching your Instagram posts, all your delicious meals that you put out there. But it's not just your profession, right? It really is how you feel about food. You have that love of food and appreciation where you also already referenced that some people, they're like, oh my gosh, I forgot to eat. I just have to eat, right? We're you know, food is love where some people uh, have to force themselves to eat and a reminder, you know, there's sort of the two different ways that we we live as humans. So I, I love your, um, you know, your outlook and your take on all that, which is so healthy, I think. Thank you. Thank you. And I wish, I wish everyone could have the same kind of like, food is love is literally is all encompassing for me. It's, it's something that was, given to me when I was a kid, right? These family meals that I shared. I mean, the reason my brother doesn't cook for a living, but I have a younger brother and he loves food just as much as I do. And I think that's just a product of the environment that we grew up in. Like he, my brother's actually an amazing cook and we both really truly love food and cooking and sharing meals and, you know, with the, the planning, the shopping, like we love every aspect of it. And, and maybe everyone doesn't need to get quite as wrapped up in it as, as he and I do, but it really is a reflection of the way that we were raised. And I, now I find myself doing that with my children and, and it, nothing really brings me more joy than sharing a meal with them, sharing a meal with friends. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be something fancy, right? And we could be sharing a smoothie or we could even go out to eat, right? It doesn't necessarily be something that I made, but the idea of sitting down and sharing a meal and even in, you know, my house nowadays, it's all disjointed. We have swim practice. We, this one's got to be there. But we still find those pockets of time where we're sharing food. And, and that really is an extension of my heart in so many ways. Um, and I wish everybody felt that way. I really wish, I really wish they did. Yeah, it would make it would make it easier, right? Because when you love what you're doing or you have that passion for it, we know that that's the key to to the success for anything we're going to keep back. And um, again, all of the things that you've said are uh, some of the things I've had conversations with other guests on about the idea of family meal. And I grew up the same way where you sat at that table. There was always room for more people at the table. Uh, it didn't matter what was being served. It was sitting around together, the sharing. And it, it really is that nourishment on so many levels, um, so many levels. And, and it's hard, right? Because we know, especially now. So you did not mention you were a mom. You have two girls? Three. Three. Oh my gosh. You're really busy. Um, so <laughs> it's, you know, it's hard to carve out the time they get to that age and they're off in different directions, but making that time to sit down and connect it, it really it sort of puts the value on the table of it's not just like what you're putting in your body, but how you do it. And with that intention of it's about us being together. And and I think that that makes the food even tastier and more nourishing. <laughs> right. I, I, I agree. And I think it's something that they, that my kids, you know, that they look forward to what we we put a pizza oven in my backyard over quarantine and it is like the best thing we've ever done. And pizza night is always like a, a family tradition in my house. It has been since, um, since my first daughter was born and we've kind of, you know, we've upped our game periodically over the years. And now we've kind of reached 
this uh, the height of this where we have this pizza oven and this wood fired pizza oven in the backyard. But you know, if life gets in the way and we can't have a pizza Friday, my kids get mad. (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean we're not doing pizza tonight? You know, so that's how I know, you know, they might just, they might not sit around and swoon over these family traditions, but they get mad when we have to maybe bump pizza night to a different night of the week. And that I know that they still care. So that, that makes me feel good. I love that. Um, So yeah, that's what I kind of, you're already getting to what I was going to ask. It's so during Uh, the quarantine time when the world started to shut down, one of the things that we noticed, right, when you look on Instagram and TikTok and, you know, how we were actually seeing each other live was that people now had time to take a step back and look at food in a different light, prepare for food that maybe they really had no time, quote unquote, we never had time. And they were often um, trying new things. And so one of the new trends was who was making their bread. And, you know, that's an, a whole, you know, days long activity of all of that. So my my question was to you as all of this hit and you're already in that, that's already how you live your life. So what was happening for you then? Did you continue? Did you have a moment where you're like, forget it. I cook all the time. I'm not going to cook now. You know, what was happening for you when, when this, when everyone else was discovering food, what were you doing? That's a great question. I think, you know, I think a lot of it, some of it was normal, right? I, I, I am, I am not a very organized person. I wish that I was, my husband wishes that I was as well, but when it comes to meal prep and meal planning, that is the one organized thing that I kind of stick to. And I, I even do, I post it on my Instagram, I, I plan out my meals. So even when we were in, in lockdown, it was important to me to try to keep that consistent. Mm. So much in the world was changing, you know, and I think I did it, I didn't only do it for my kids, I did it for myself too, to have something that felt normal. I really, I really wanted to keep, right? So this idea of, I, I have a little whiteboard in my kitchen and I map out what our what our meals are going to be. And you know what, we don't always stick to it, but we try, we do a pretty good job. And then it helps me stay organized. And it kind of, it distracts my kids from constantly being like, what are we eating? What are we eating? What's for dinner? What's for lunch? You know, so everybody, everybody kind of wins. So I definitely kept up with that. I think us being home more allowed my kids to help more Mm -hmm. than they would typically do, which I thought was, was nice. Um, I personally don't like to bake all that much. I, I can bake, I will bake, but I don't, I don't like, I'm a cook, not a baker. And, and there's a big difference there. But my, my daughters, one of them particularly, really loves to bake. So it gave us an opportunity to play around a little bit more with the breads and, and some cupcakes and things here and there um, because they had more time to be home. So, and I thought it was a good way to spend it instead of, you know, being on screens all the time. Um, but on the flip side, I never got to the, I've had it, I don't want to cook anymore. I, I always, people ask me that, like, when are you going to get there? And I'm not there yet. But I did, I do work with a lot of chefs. Um, and, and I have for years, and it was important to me to support the local chefs. Um, especially in in our area where we live. So we did get into a habit of ordering takeout once a week, which truthfully we had never done. You know, we we would get takeout periodically, but not every single week. So we set aside a day every single week. Um, And that's something we we haven't totally maintained it, but we still do it probably more often than we did before to to support our local restaurants, um, you know, because they were having, they're still having a tough time 
through all of the last 18 months. So we, we kind of set aside that time to help support some local restaurants and, and order a little takeout. So it did give me a break, which I didn't mind, um, but I still, do, I still don't mind doing it. So, um, so that was just something that was maybe a little, little backwards than what everybody else was doing. And I love that too. When we talk about food is love, like that's just another way, you know, you ordering that meal out once a week was showing love to the community and helping out in these little ways. And you're so right. I mean, my family's in the restaurant business and it's definitely been um, a rocky road since all of this has happened. And yeah, anyway, we could have a whole separate hour on that for sure. But uh, but yeah, okay. I love that. And then in the meantime, you built this amazing pizza oven in your backyard and it became... Um, definite up the game of your pizza nights, which I love. And I was going to ask you because you do post on your Instagram, your whiteboard and you'll do your um, meals of the week. And I've seen that. And I was going to ask if that was something that um, you had always done, because I feel that sometimes we have, and I loved the way you sum this up. Like I needed the routine. My family needed it. That's how I felt. Um, there, my getting up in the morning, my bedtime, there were things that I kept because I needed that. I needed to feel grounded. And so I love that you saying, you know, that that organization piece, that normalcy that we had to keep. So because nothing else was normal. So finding those few other things uh, were super important. Was, was there anything else that you um, think of that you had to keep the same or um, <laughs> or it was fair game? Yeah, I mean, it was, I think, you know, it, it was, you know, we had to be a little bit more flexible, I think, especially in that early stages of lockdown where grocery shopping wasn't easy, or, you know, it wasn't, you know, or food wasn't always available, we weren't going, I mean, I, I love going to the grocery store, I will go to multiple grocery stores a week, I don't always have time for it. But like, I, I'll go to the fish market. And it, like, I, you know, it's, it's not the typical American, like one big weekly shop that a lot of people do, which is, which is fine, that works well for a lot of people. But I like to go to multiple places to kind of get my ingredients. So, you know, we, I really had to modify some of the things that I normally do, whether it meant again, or the, you know, the, there were not some things I, you know, I'd order, you know, 20 things and 10 of them wouldn't be available. Right. And, mm. and so like, you know, we were getting deliveries and things like that. So to me, I think that's fun because it forces me to be creative. Um, I like to have, sometimes I like to challenge myself and I'll have a week where I try to buy less groceries and just clean out my freezer, right? Like I know there's stuff in there that I can use. I think that that concept makes some, I hate wasting food. That's really where it comes from. But I think some people find that super intimidating and they don't like that kind of uncertainty about their cooking. Like I, I love it. I think it's fun. Um, and sometimes it, sometimes it's, it's a big hit and sometimes it's a flop and that's okay. So so that definitely happened quite a bit, I think, um, over quarantine and that and, and eating outside. We did, if we wanted to see friends, we were going to eat outside. Mm -hmm. um, I live at the, I live by the beach and between that and the pizza oven, we found all kinds of creative ways to pack things up and share meals outside. And that's something we continue to do. I, I really like those elements that you know changes that we've made. I mean, I've noticed this, I noticed this in the classroom. I noticed this with some of the initiatives at my kid's school, you know, things that we had to do because of COVID that we couldn't do the old way. We found new ways to do it. And now we're going to be like, wow, that was pretty awesome. We can keep doing that. Right. And uh, kind of like your podcast, right? Like now you can, 
how, you know, now you can, you, but you want to keep doing it. So I, I think that's a really nice thing. And I, I think we found some ways to do that too. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, definitely everything that happened wasn't all bad. Although it took us by surprise, it wouldn't be something anyone would have chosen. There has been some moments that we've really been able to, I think, be a little more intentional in, in how we celebrate things, do things, use things. I Oh my gosh, your whole idea of eating what's in your freezer is ultimately the most scary thing of my life. I, <laughs> wish, I wish I was good at that. I tend to just get overwhelmed and then I just throw it out, which is horrible. But um, I'm not a good frozen food person. So uh, I might have to get some tips from you one of these days. <laughs> for sure. Um, for sure. You're not alone. It's, it can be intimidating, but I probably have some tips I can share with you for sure. Um, so I do know that you, I mean, obviously you have, uh, this lifelong love of athletes and, and being athletic. And so even now I know that fitness is a big part of your life. So I guess I would ask if, I mean, definitely we are talking food is love and, and the love of yourself and your family. But if we're talking a little bit more specific about self-care for you, what, um, what are some things in general? And I guess just I'm going to say, you know, maybe even before the world had shifted, what what was your self-care like? What did it mean for you? And um, did you have time for it? I mean, again, you, you've you done a lot of things. So um, <laughs> how do you squeeze all that in and what does it look like? I, you know, I think, you know, the, the older I get, <laughs> um, the more I appreciate that I, I need to carve out that, that time for self-care. And, and sometimes it goes out the window because, you know, like any other mom, I sacrifice you know, for my kids, but I'd say for the most part, I've gotten better um, at always carving out time to, to do something. And I, I think my biggest self-care is, is two things. One is, is exercise. Um, I've always been that way, even before I had children. It is, it is my, my outlet, my stress reliever. Um, obviously, physiologically, there's benefits to it. But for me, it's, it's a real kind of spiritual thing where that's how I get grounded and centered you know, people that don't love exercise are kind of like, what? Why would you do that? Why would that's how you relax, you know, but <laughs> it, it really is for me. I know you get it, you know, but so I, I but I also feel a lot of especially, you know, busy moms that, you know, that that's what they skip, you know, they find, you know, and, and I think, you know, because they have to do other things, but I'm a big believer in, in trying to carve out that time. Sometimes it means getting up a little earlier. Truth be told, I had a, a crazy day. I've been on campus all morning. I snuck in a workout before this, right before this meeting, you know? So, um, you know, thankfully no one can see my hair right now, right? But <laughs> I, you know, I, it's I know I, I have a, tomorrow's gonna be my off day. I kind of knew that all week. So I really, you know, if I can make it work today, I'm gonna make it work. So I, I really do carve out that time. It's 45 minutes to an hour, most days of the week. Sometimes it's, you know, a yoga on my phone that I squeeze into my office and hope my kids don't interrupt me. <laughs> and other days it's a run or a class, you know, I, I do mix it up, but I, I need that. I'm a better, I'm a better person. I am more fun to be around if I can, if I can make that time to, to get that exercise in for sure. Oh, I love that. That's so true. I, I mean, I, you're speaking my language exactly. And I know that, um, in order for me to just feel, and I love the word grounded that you use, feel grounded and and like I can present my best, I do have to 
find time for that. Um, and it's hard. I mean, I, I'm the the early morning get up and do it and be done person too, because if I haven't, it's I think about it all day long. Like, when am I going to do it? When am I going to do it? More so than the pressure of doing it, it's how am I going to fit it back in? And then, you know, you get home, you walk in the door, and sometimes you don't know what you're walking into, especially mm-hmm. you have three children. And then all of a sudden, like the workout might go out the door. So uh, yeah, so it is It is important to squeeze it in wherever you can find it and uh, that flexibility of it. But you said you have two self-care things. One was exercise. What is your second? Number two, and this is something that I have worked very, very hard on in the last, I'd probably say three to four years. It really up until then, I, I probably, I was doing a lot I I was doing the opposite of what I do now. Let's put it that way. So it's actually, it's sleep. Ah. It is, it is sleep. Sleep is something that I took for granted. It was the thing that I would, that I would skimp on. It was the, you know, that kind. And I, and I, I, I have made it a really important aspect of a lot of the work I do with my, with, with many of my students and especially the, um, our athletes is to get them to understand the importance of sleep. I, now I kind of look back and say, wow, if I had appreciated sleep sooner, who knows, you know, but, uh, you know, and it really, it came, I'm a, I'm a science geek, you know, uh, especially as a, as a clinician and I love science. And I was, I was asked to be a part of a project a few years back where they, these kind of experts in sleep and behavior had kind of got me into really talk about the fitness and the nutrition piece, but they taught me things about sleep that I didn't even know. Um, and, and I think since, since that point, I've realized the importance of it. And, and so where that translates to self-care is just that I, I shut off the technology. Like I really prioritize getting more sleep than I ever used to, I think in my, in my earlier years nowadays. And I, and I definitely appreciate the benefit of it. Um, because I, I, I was guilty of, of cheating myself on sleep for, for too long for sure. And it's hard when you have little kids. And, you know, I think part of it is just kind of come with the fact that my kids are a little bit older now, they do sleep through the night now, you know, so that definitely works in my favor. Um, But even, you know, again, just even something as simple as going to bed, just a little bit earlier, um, trying to be consistent about when I go to sleep and when I wake up every day, which is something again, I never really appreciated, um, has made a really big difference in just how well I feel. Um, and so that, that's been my other big, um, self-care. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a manicure and a pedicure every once in a while, but I think the the things that I really kind of prioritize are definitely exercises. And I think the things that, you know, those things are really controllable and manageable, right? Like it's not, you know, a manicure is great, but you have to go somewhere. You have to have the time, you have to have the money, the resources where when we're looking at sleep, to your point, if you have a newborn, right, let's let's not worry too much about that. But, you know, as life shifts and changes, to really put that as a priority is so important. I, I think one of the things that I've learned through through this profession and the more that I work with bodies and different bodies is how much our bodies like routine and how much that helps them thrive and helps us to really survive. And I think that was one of the things that was even enhanced even more during COVID was by me still getting up at my same time, eating, you know, meals around the same time, still having a certain bedtime that did help me. Like I, I don't think I could have 
you know, done as well as I did, you know, and I guess physically, because it was exhausting, like being uncertain and and the worry of the pan- pandemic, the anxieties, that's all exhausting and your body's, you know, worrying and fretting about that. But if you can control these other things, uh, it really does help. And so, um, so the things that we have to, as clinicians, practice, not just preach. Right. And, and I think that, and, and it's funny because I always did that with food. I always practiced what I preached, you know, but with sleep, I really, I, I really wasn't doing a good job of that. And I always, I, you know, I work with the athletic training staff, obviously very closely at Quinnipiac, you know, and some of them are like, oh, do as I say, not as I do, you know, right. and, I, and I get that. Like, I think as clinicians and we interact, we, we, we can get away with that even sometimes. But I think it is, I think I needed the buy-in myself. Um, and, and that has, has made me more passionate about trying to, you know, get other people to understand too how, how, how important this is. And then once, again, even if they're a little bit skeptical, like, yeah, Dan, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, I think once you, once you try it and, and you can, can adapt to some of those things and, you know, maybe not perfectly, but, um, you know, you can see that there's a benefit, right? Yeah. I, I just spoke, I was speaking to one of our athletes earlier this morning and talking about caffeine, right? And caffeine mm-hmm. and how it impacts sleep. And, you know, again, I, I, I've always said to my athletes, you know, co- you know, if you're, if it's three o'clock in the afternoon and you're reaching for a coffee, you're not, you need probably need food, right? Like that, oh, I'm so tired. Like you don't want the, the stimulant, you want the food, you know? And then I've kind of, a, a, you know, throughout the course of these last couple of years when I've been so much better about sleep, I've realized that if, if I drink coffee past noon, it keeps, you know, it definitely disrupts my sleep, right? So that's just a new habit that I adopted and noon's my cutoff, right? And so, and I, I will, I will, I have that conversation, you know, this morning and just said, you know, you really consider maybe this idea of, of cutting off the caffeine's fine, but you got to know your body and, and decide where there might be a good point to cut it off so that it doesn't, it doesn't interfere with your, your performance or even just your well-being in other ways. And it's so important, those little details of paying attention, you know, of noticing, oh my gosh, okay, why am I so tired? Oh yes, I did have a coffee at two o'clock. You know, it's putting two and two together, which we're often so busy that we don't look for the reason why, we just look for the quick fix. So- Oh my God, so true. Yeah. So that conversation with that athlete will hopefully be something they carry with them for a long time that not just, oh, I'm, I'm tired. This is what I'm going to do, but like step back. How could I prevent that? Um, and we have to stop being reactive and, you know, no matter what it is like, oh my gosh, I'm deconditioned. Like, what am I going to do? Oh, well I should move more, you know? So I have gained 10 pounds. What can I do? You know? So just being mindful so that it's not always the fire that we're putting out. It starts with more prevention and, um, I think we're we're very reactive when it comes to a lot of those things. It's true. It's true. It all comes down to habits, right? I mean, it, and it's it's very easy to fall back into habits. So what you can really do to kind of spark a new habit or to change, you know, a, a bad habit um, is really where you find the long term success. But but you have to put some work in, right? You mm. need to have that awareness or find that awareness, which is it's not impossible, you know, but it, it's definitely a, a process for sure. And uh, the thing that's that's so incredible now about the world we live in, as you had mentioned, you know, getting off technology early is the technology that is out there actually is enhancing in many ways our quality of life because it's telling you you're not getting enough sleep, right? It's measuring your sleep cycles. It's reminding you to get up and stretch. It's telling you you need to do breathing exercises. Hey, have you meditated today? Like our devices 
remind us of all of these things, which is not something you and I grew up with, you know, back in the day. Uh, so I think it's really it's good because it's putting that care out in the in the forefront of saying, you know, even your technology is reminding you, you have to care for yourself. Yeah, for sure. And I so I I wear uh, the aura ring on my. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. Yes, I have. Um, so it I and I was researching it actually for an article that I was writing, and and I, this along with several other sleep devices like trackers, and I didn't really. This was just kind of another one in the in the list of ones that I was that I was trying out. But and this was like three years ago, so it just goes to show you that I really did I really did like this one, and it and it does again. It, it it's oh there I'm so kind of it blows my mind that there's this ability to, to monitor my sleep patterns. And, and even, you know, again, I, I feel like you have to be careful that, you know, if I feel pretty good and it tells me that, you know, I slept like garbage, like I, I try not to make that like a self-fulfilling prophecy, but there's something to that, right? I have a, a, there's a lot of baseline data here and, and I do find myself, you know, it holds you accountable, which I think mm. is good to have something or somebody holds you accountable for some of those, again, if you're trying to change a habit. So I'm like, you know, yeah, maybe if I'm tempted to stay up a little later and watch the last, you know, 15 minutes of my, you know, Netflix show or whatever, I'm like, well, I know my ring's going to yell at me in the morning if I, if I don't, <laughs> you know, go back to sleep. So again, it's that little accountability, which I think is, yeah, for technology can definitely do us some positive things in, instead of, instead of some negative things, you know, when my, when, uh, when my, when my 12 year old is like, you know, here until 10 o'clock at night and I'm trying to get her out, that's another story. Um, but I think it's definitely, there's definitely some benefits too. Yeah. So I know that when everything happened, you know, for us in, in, at Quinnipiac, we went all to Zoom and that was our life. And we were really living a lot of it online. And now thankfully we're in person you know, we're being cautious and protective, but we still can do real life things. And you had already mentioned things that maybe happened in that world that we've kind of carried through. And one of the things that I've noticed, although we are in person, there still is that opportunity and I guess desire for some things to still be on Zoom. So I'm going to reference one very specific thing. You, you know, get up and you work all day. You're a professor, you're meeting with students, you have your athletes then and you have your children. And now um, instead of being able to say when someone asks you to do a program, oh, I'm busy, I can't come back to school. Now they say, well, just Zoom from your kitchen. And, you know, how do you say no, right? So, you know, is this something that's still been a positive thing, being able to now do, I'm going to say do more because we can be in person and we can be on Zoom? Or do you think for you personally that this is um, maybe crossing boundaries because it's harder to say no? It, it, it's a great question. And I think I think I've definitely gotten better at it because I think there was uh, there was some moments there where it, it, I wasn't saying no. And I was zooming from my kitchen four nights a week for whatever reason and things. And, and again, I, it does come back to, I am very grateful that I, that I love what I do, but you do have to be careful, I think. And that's something I've learned throughout my career is that, you know, you have to know when to say no, you, you, you know, and, and, and have to be okay with saying no. So you really need to have that, you know, assessment uh, and think about the bigger picture, right? So I can zoom from my kitchen but then my kids have to stay in the room and they have to be quiet and they can't take my bandwidth because then my Zoom will glitch. <laughs> and, you know, so we, I've learned all of those things along the way, but I also have to evaluate what that does to their evening. You yeah. know, if, if they're kind of, you know, 
you know, and it depends. It usually if I'm making something that they like that they get to eat after, they're a little bit nicer about it. But but really, you know, the idea that you do have to find that balance. So I really do try, you know, I do like to take advantage of, you know, my my advanced nutrition class that I teach this semester, we have historically done in-person cooking classes. And last year we did them all on Zoom. Um, and, and we had to, right. We had no choice, but, and it worked out well. We, we were able to get them some, some grocery money instead of me buying all the ingredients like we would traditionally do. And it gave us an opportunity to share that experience in a different way. Um, you know, this semester we can do a little bit more in person, but I said, Hey, you know, at the end, you know, come the, the last class of the semester, when everybody's kind of crazy, people are always fighting because they want to, you know, maybe their exams are done. They're going to go home. I said, why don't we do like a holiday thing on Zoom together? And it's kind of the best of both worlds, you know? So I think that's really been the key for me is finding ways where we can really make something special and doing this way instead of just constantly saying yes, mm-hmm. um, just because digitally we can we can make it work. So quality, not quantity is is what I'm trying to, to strike. Um, and, and I think the convenience is a great thing, but again, you know, I, I find that it can, it can become kind of intrusive and you got to be careful about that for sure. Yeah, definitely. I just, I think it is, you know, again, just like you're saying, it's opened up so many opportunities to reach students or people that we didn't reach before, but then at the same token, that expectation is looming there. Like we have to keep that up and it's hard to do all the things that you're doing during your day and then, and then, um, squeeze all that in. And so that's one of the things that I think we all have to figure out is that balance. And again, we'll go back to, I said, started this off with how busy your life is with all the different roles you play just when you come to campus on a given day. But then, you know, you're a mother, you're a spouse, you know, you have all of these roles. So it's really hard to not feel (laughs) so depleted and exhausted and, um, you know, and just learning where, where to say no and where uh, you can just be enough. Like it, it, it's just enough, like, and enough is okay sometimes. Yeah. And and I think I I was much worse at that when I was younger, I've gotten definitely better about it because there's nothing worse than saying yes to something and then resenting it, you know, and being Mm -hmm. miserable about it. Like you're not going to get the best, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, volunteering at the elementary school or, and I'm not saying it's always going to be like, you know, the happiest experience ever, but I think, you know, if you start to be resentful about it, you're not going to give the best version of yourself. And then, you know, then you probably shouldn't be doing it anyway. So, so if you can limit some of that and know when to pull back a little bit, I I think overall, then you're, you're much more present or beneficial to whatever you were saying yes to if you knew what, you know, if you said no to a couple of things before that. And then when you're doing a cooking class on Zoom, whether you're, you know, doing something special for a a special event or even just with your students and you're saying, hey, we're, you know, we're going to pop into Zoom, you bring these ingredients. For you, is is it just as effortless now? Is it the same thing or do you feel like it just is like twice as much work to do the same thing online? I, I still like it. I, I think, you know, I, I, once I get going, you know, if I'm talking about food and playing around with food, like I'm, I'm pretty much in my happy place. So I haven't, I haven't really found there was one stretch of time where I met with a bunch of our athletic teams all on Zoom. And they, I was kind of surveying them ahead of time as to what they wanted to make, you know, 
and they all kind of wanted to make the same thing, you know, and, and, and it made sense. It was like, you know, a lot of them, a lot of our, you know, a lot of people wanted to do something for like a sweet craving, right? Like that was like really popular. So I was just making the same thing over and over and over again. And I, I, I did try to find, you know, I said, I got to find a way to, to perk this up a little bit. Even my kids were like, we're making chocolate bark again. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, you poor thing. But yeah, I, I definitely think that there was, it, there can be that opportunity for it to get a little monotonous. So, you know, I, I, I've learned from that where I might try to mix things up just, just for my own, you know, my own kind of interest in, in it and things like that for sure. <laughs> yeah, your own sanity. Yeah. Yeah. And when we're talking about the idea of self-love and we've already proclaimed food is love, that's not the relationship with food that a lot of people have. And so you and I, I think, are really lucky to sit here and to be able to, you know, say how important it is in such a, a good and healthy way. Um, and so many people don't see food in that same eye. So when I guess when you're working with people who maybe struggle with their relationship with food or how, is there any way that you try to get them to bridge that gap and they can see, you know, where where the the self-love part is in the eating of food, the preparing of food, the idea of food. I I know you you know, obviously you're not the the therapist coming in, but you do deal with a lot of people where this whether it's diagnosed or undiagnosed can be an issue and can be really hard. So um, how do you, how do you go about with, with food is love in that situation? It, it, it's difficult. I mean, by far, you know, even just if we, if specifically just clinically, you know, working with athletes throughout my career, I mean, it is definitely the hardest part of my job working with people that have, whether it's a full blown diagnosed eating disorder or, you know, disordered eating behavior, which are very, very different things. Mm -hmm. um, we see it a lot on college campuses. So it, it really is, it, I mean, there is no doubt that it is, it is something that a lot of people struggle with. And it, it is very difficult. And I think, I think where I can be mo most helpful, you know, is, is a couple of ways. I think it's helping that person understand that they're, that they're not alone and that there is support. I, I think, a lot of people that suffer with food issues, they kind of suffer silently, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. they, they, they recognize that they have these, these issues and they don't ask for help and they're very reluctant to, um, they're ashamed of it. Um, and it often stems from other things. So I, you know, yes, I'm not a therapist by any stretch of the imagination, but I find it very important for a lot of people to get help from me, but also, you know, get some other form of mental health as well, because that's really where, especially in severe cases, you can, you, you really can find, you know, a successful way to um, kind of come out of some of those dark places that, that people, that people get to. And, and I think that's another thing. I, I don't think people really understand, you know, again, eating disorders, we can have a whole other conversation um, about this on another hour, but it's, it's a, it's a, psychiatric disorder it's not just someone making a choice right to you know I don't feel like eating you know it, it's so far beyond that and I think it, it's it's a it's a such a, a deep issue for so many people that I think people don't understand that right so working on the support system and, and getting people to understand that food again is is love is essential is something that sometimes I think they don't even consider Right. And, and so they've just spent so much time thinking of food as a as a negative thing, mm -hmm. as a bad thing, somehow just get, get, getting that permission to, to know that it's OK 
to enjoy things. Um, you know, when people, you know, even when, you know, they hear, oh, you know, Dana, you put cream and sugar in your coffee, you're a dietitian. Of course I put cream and sugar in my coffee, right? You know, it's like, I think, you know, sometimes just learning that it's not all that, you know, the food world is not all about restriction and what you can't eat. And that, you know, I, I think that that can be very liberating to people. But truthfully, I mean, it's, it's, it's a mixed, it's a mixed bag. I, I wish that, I could do more than I already do because I've seen people suffer so badly over something that is so essential to them that it, it really is heartbreaking to watch someone struggle so much with something as, as, as beautiful as food. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I agree. And and that permission that you said is really important where we are in such a, I guess, a black and white society when it comes to many of these things like, Oh, I'm not, I, I shouldn't work out if I can't work out every day. Or if, if, you know, I may as well go off my diet because I ate a brownie today. And, you know, so instead of looking at it with that point of view that there's room for everything, you know, and we're human and permission to have a day where we're not, you know, maybe putting the best things in, but we're going to pick up where we are tomorrow and move forward instead of, you know, perpetuating that cycle. It It is, I guess it really just is, a, it's such a, um, an innate thing to try to learn that idea of of caring for yourself, which as we're framing it, it really is what you're, you know, that intentionality of feeding yourself something good and, and good for you. You know, we might know what we should eat, but then that treat that's really going to nourish you can come after and, and be a complement to it as well. And, you know, changing your mood and your outlook on it can really, can really help. And it, I don't know. I think it's one of the most ultimate things of self-care, uh, pieces of self-care is taking care of yourself with on that level with your with your food. Right. And, and I, yeah, no, I, I say this to my classes all the time. Nothing in nutrition is actually black or white. It's not. It, it, you know, I, I get all those questions. Which is better? Or I know this is bad for me. Like that actually, I mean, bad for you, how? You right. know, or, or and if it's bad for you, does that mean you can never have it? I mean, again, I just think that's so... It is, it kind of comes back to where we started this conversation about it's so misinterpreted mm -hmm. and misconstrued. And, and so, you know, you know, is, is a brownie the, the healthiest, most, you know, nutrient filled food in the world? No, I, I can say that with confidence, but there is, I think to, to deprive yourself of that brownie, that is not healthy in my definition, you know, is yeah. to say that you can never have it if it's something that you know you would enjoy it's not a healthy choice to tell yourself you can never have it. And I think, I don't think people necessarily look at food that way, yeah. unfortunately. And I, and I wish, I hope I can help more people look at food that way. Yeah. And like even your pizza oven, many people would say pizza isn't, you know, the most healthy thing, but when someone comes to your house and they're having that experience in your yard and you've, you know, shredded the cheese and picked fresh vegetables from the farmer's market to put on your pizza, like it is made with love and there's nothing better than sharing something that might not even be in our definition of the healthiest thing, but in a really positive, healthy way. Right. And, and I think there's also, and, and at the same time, you know, first of all, yes, my pizza has love in it every single time. <laughs> that is always an ingredient. And, and again, and, and I, and I don't expect everyone to make their own pizza. That's, you know, it's, it's work that I enjoy, but I don't expect everybody to enjoy it. But I say, you know, I, I, maybe it's the dietitian in me, but again, just to find that balance, right? I say, okay, if we're eating pizza every single week, I know that it's made with good, healthy, fresh ingredients because I made it, right? So that definitely helps. The homemade version is always going, it's almost always going to be better than 
um, than a not homemade version. But then also, you know, again, I, there's always a big salad at the table. I actually, you know, my pizza oven, you can make amazing. I throw a piece of fish in there. It's the best thing you've ever eaten. Ooh. So I will incorporate other other, you know, things that we make chicken wings in there, little, uh, instead of frying them, we just put them in the pizza oven and they're delicious. So I find ways to balance out the meal in other ways. I had a, actually had a, uh, speaking of pizza, I had a, a meeting with an athlete last night and, you know, he's a first year student as an athlete and he's trying to navigate the cafeteria as so many of them are. And he is a picky eater as so many of them are. And we, I said, well, do you like He's like, well, I used to go to the pizza station, but I don't go there anymore. And I said, well, why not? And he's like, well, it's not healthy. And I said, okay, but we're trying to find more options. We're trying to expand your repertoire here because you're eating the same thing every single day. And I said, you can have pizza, but why don't you have a salad with it? Or just, you know, grab some grilled chicken from one of the other stations. And then, you know, you can have the pizza, but then have the salad with the chicken. And then you have a, a very nice balanced meal. And then you would have thought, I mean, his mind was blown, right? He never <laughs> even considered, you know, he goes, wait, can I just one piece of pizza? And he's a big guy. I said, no, have two pieces of pizza, have the salad with the chicken on it. And, I mean, you would have thought I gave him like a winning lottery ticket. But again, he just never even thought. He just thought, okay, pizza is not, not the healthiest choice. And I'm only going to eat it by itself. And therefore, I shouldn't have it, you know? And right. And again, he was, it made him really happy, which I liked. And again, just kind of opened his, his eyes to another way to think about maybe if you have pizza that you can have some other stuff with it that would kind of round out the meal in a good way. <laughs> it kind of does blow your mind sometimes when you when someone opens it up in that way, right? That you can have the things that you know we stereo stereotypically might think are not the best, but it is how you I guess, round it all out. And the same thing can be said for exercise. The other thing that you had gone to when you said, I try to move every day, whether it is a yoga, whether it is cardio, whether it's a walk, you know, that mixing it up, that there's room for all of it. It doesn't have to be the most intense workout you've ever had. And I think oftentimes we think of these extremes, even in the good, the good things that we're supposed to do, we think in these extremes. And it really all is about finding the right balance and the thing that you can manage and fit in that, you know, helps you to be the best human that you can be and to to be able to put your head on the pillow at the end of the night and um you know and and know that you got it all done which is certainly not easy <laughs> <laughs> it's not but you're right i think there's a, there's such a parallel between the two it's you the workout you know it, it, and it does it shouldn't be that all or nothing um and the same thing goes for your diet right it shouldn't be that okay well i can't eat healthy so forget it i'm just going to eat you know fast food every day of my life or i i can't exercise every day so i'm not going to do it at all i mean it's just, again those extremes is not how you have a sustainable you know long term success in fitness or in nutrition right i think you can be much more satisfied and therefore sustainable long-term if you can find, if you can strike that balance for, for mm -hmm. both hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just, you know, the older I get, that word just never goes away and keeps coming back more and more the word balance and, and what it means and how, it, how to, to do that, which is we're not given a manual, you know, again, you, you have a baby and then you have two babies and then you have three babies and you have a job, like how do you balance, right? No one teaches us that. So it is a, a practice every day to try to figure out the right formula unique for us and our needs. And, um, I think too, you see that I'm sure as a clinician that people come to you for the magical answer. Like, this is my goal. And so tell me what to eat to make that happen. And it could take years 
to make that really happen, right? Because it is understanding that human body and um, and its intricacies, right? Because we're so unique. Right. And then the behavioral piece, which you can never escape, especially when it comes to food, you know, we are very hardwired to eat a certain way. And it's, it's a product of our upbringing, our experiences, our, our good experiences with food, our bad experiences with food, right? And so I think when people say, oh, Dana, just tell me what to eat and I'll eat it. They, they mean it when they say that, right? Mm-hmm. But I know that they're not going to, right? So unless I can make those suggestions based on their preferences, you know, in some way, shape or form, that's how, and, and, and it can help adapt. Again, maybe we need to, maybe we need to change some, some aspects of the types of food that they're eating, but I'm not, you know, for me to just get, rattle off a list of super healthy foods and say, this is what you should eat. Like if it's not grounded in your preferences and your beliefs about food or your access to food or your, you know, your skill level preparing food, it's just not going to work. Right. And so that's why, you know, fad diets never, never work is because people somehow can latch on to something, you know, for temporarily um, and then they don't have long term success. So I, I think you do need to think about people's preferences and behaviors and and really tailor your recommendations to those to some degree. Otherwise, you're kind of setting them up for failure, I think. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, we all wish there were those magic answers to so many things, right? Just give me the formula to make X, Y, Z happen. But um, there definitely is is not none in existence that we know of. No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I want to ask one more question of you that I like to ask all of my guests relating more to the the self-love and the self-care piece. And you know, you, I, I have known you for a while. I know how you treat our athletes and how you are as a, you know, a human and, um, and a friend, right. To all of the people that you work with. So do you think that currently you are good at being your own best friend and treating yourself the same way that you treat others? Or how would you, um, I guess, categorize your relationship and your best friend status with yourself? That is such a good question. I, I, I hope so. Um, I definitely think I, I have my moments where I should treat myself a little bit better, you know, and, and, and give that same sort of um, attention to myself that I, I, I give to others. Um, but overall, I said, yeah, I think it, I, it's, it's been a process. And, I, and the older I get, the better I've become at it. Um, you know, but it definitely is a balance. And I think sometimes it's I, I, I think I've got to cut myself some slack. And, you know, sometimes your best friends, not always there for you. And that's okay, because you know that if you really need them, they will be. Um, and, and so I think, I think that's kind of like, you know, I, I, I cut my best friend some slack sometimes, because I, I know she's in the weeds, maybe. Um, but but overall, I think, it, you know, it's still a work in progress. But I'm trying. I'm trying. And, and um, you know, I, I, this is a crazy time of year, all, always. So this is probably when I'm, I'm, I'm the least good at it. But again, I think if I carve out, if I continue to carve out that time for those things that I, I know matter to me, the sleep and the, and the exercise, then I know, I know that um, I'll come out on the other side and it'll, it will, we'll all be, we'll be good. Me and my, me and my, my friend, we'll be good. <laughs> I mean, I just love having that conversation or I guess posing that question because I think no matter how old we are, um, it's something we still have to work on every day, that it's really easy 
to because we know that best friend is going to be there innately, right? We're we're not going anywhere, so it's also easier to treat ourselves the worst and know that they're still going to come back the next day because, right? They're attached and tethered, but um, yeah. but it's it's certainly a practice, and I think. I think that's important for me if we have young people looking, listening to the podcast thinking, oh, well, you know, she said she's older, so it comes with age. Like, it's never easy. It is never easy. And we have to work at these things all the time. And I guess that is the one benefit that age gives us is we are able to prioritize our time. We get more of our own time. You know, when you were raising children, you had less of your own time, right, than where you are now. So I think there's definite benefits to age, but I don't know that it gets easier. I think we just realize the importance of it all and um, focus on it a little bit more. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, it's, I wish I had done it sooner, a lot of it, you know, when, when it comes to that. But I think your point of it, it, it being you know, I think you're, you're even just that question is a good reminder to me to make sure that I don't, I don't neglect that, that best friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dana, I really appreciate your time and everything that you've shared about what you do and, and your thoughts and who you are. And uh, I'm sure that our guests will um, come away with a, at least a new appreciation for food. If they didn't already think that food was love, hopefully that they're ruminating over that question and figuring out how, how it can have a little more meaning in their own life. Um, because it's, is I mean, I think it's super important. Yes, no, I know. And that's why that's why I always enjoy I and I so much appreciate the opportunity to, to share it with you and to discuss it. Um and uh and I just I appreciate you. So thank you for having me. Well thank you for being on. I appreciate you as well. Thank you, Dana. Yes, food is love. I mean, those of you who know me know that I say that all the time. And I was just super excited to have that be our our theme of this week's episode. So hopefully you have a, a, a few more tricks up your sleeve, maybe a new outlook, and maybe you're even going to go make a pizza. Who knows? So thank you for spending time with Living Well While Living Online, which is a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. Next week, we're heading to Cork, Ireland to have conversation with some of the Quinnipiac students who are studying abroad there. So that will be such a unique experience for all of us. We'll be podcasting in a different way. And I'm looking forward to sharing how they're integrating self-care, self-love, wellness, um, while being away from home in a new environment. So special thanks to the team who puts all of this together, to Renee Chiffou, who is our producer, to David DeRoche, our executive producer, to Jackie Callanan, who is on social media, and for the theme music, thank you, Scott Holmes. To learn more about our podcasts, visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can listen to all of our podcasts on the platform or app of your choice. You can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at qupodcasts. And feel free to send us an email at qupodcasts at qu.edu. So until next week, my friends, be intentional, breathe deep, and learn to be your own best friend.